Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast. This is episode 29. And in this episode, I talk to Paul Edwards. Paul Edwards is an entrepreneur and also he is someone who is well studied on the topic of networking. So if you are a small business owner, a fellow podcaster, maybe you own a large business, maybe you are just an employee and you're looking to get your boss's ear, you want to listen to this conversation because what Paul talks about are these simple and yet very strategic things that we can do to gain a network around us so that we can be heard and also so that we can add value to the people around us. As always, you can get the full show notes at www.banewman.com forward slash podcast. And Paul was so gracious to allow us to get the full show notes at his website as well. And that is www.thepaulsedwards.com. And gentlemen, I just want to say thanks. If you're listening to this podcast, you are part of the New Man community. And I just want to say it is great to be partnering with you. This podcast exists because of you and because of all the men like you who are listening in, you're digging in, and you're applying these principles, and you're sharing it with your friends. So I just want to say thanks for Everything that, that I do on the back end, it brings me great joy knowing that there are people like you driving your car right now, maybe at your house doing chores or working out at the gym or maybe going for a run, and you're listening to this and that you're seeking to apply the principles that are talked about on the New Kind of Man podcast. So I just want to say thanks. Thanks for being along for the ride, and also thanks for being a contributor. Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast, where we are growing stronger and more capable men. We believe that every man can be a good man, and we are here to help men on their journey to become new men. These men will become better at leading themselves and better at leading in their homes and workplaces. Paul the Apostle gave the command to put on the new man. On this podcast, I interview people who become new men relationally, physically, spiritually, or intellectually. This happens through their stories of stretching, grit, and determination. We want the good, the bad, and the ugly, so we all can become better men. So let's get after it. Recently, I've made two partnerships, and one partnership that I've made is with the Live Free community and the Live Free app. You can purchase that, or I believe you can actually download that for free in the App Store. But Live Free is something that I believe in. They are trying to help men to recover from porn addiction and also helping men just to connect and talk about deep issues. So I believe so much about this mission that I've decided to have my own group. So if you go into the Live Free app, you can search New Kind of Man or you can search my name, Chad Zook, Z-U-E-C-K, and you'll be able to find me and get into my group, and my group is free. Another partnership that I have made, and I made this early on in my work in A New Kind of Man, is with Narrative Brand, and you can reach them at www.narrativebrand.co. My friend AJ is doing a fantastic job, and he loves telling other people's stories, so he does it through his own creative lens. He listens uh, to what you're trying to do and maybe what you're trying to sell or you're trying to market or are just trying to to add service to someone or something he listens evaluates takes good notes and then he puts that in such a a creative way to help tell your story if that is something that's attractive to you and maybe you're interested in that go talk to my friend aj at narrativebrand.co but for now Let's get on to my conversation with Paul Edwards. Well, welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast. Today, we bring on Paul Edwards. He is an international best-selling author and host of the Influencer Networking Secrets podcast show. He also has a mastermind that he founded and that he is the architect of. So we just want to give you a warm welcome, Paul. Chad, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're you were able to, and you agreed to come on, and you actually get to talk about some things that is going to help a lot of men, but it's kind of some unfamiliar topics. So I'm really interested, not only for my personal value, but also all the listeners, to talk about being an entrepreneur, what that means, how to network, and this is your specialty. 
But before we talk about your work, I would uh, like for you to talk about some of your family dynamics. What's going on at home? Well, we're like like just about everybody else um, in on the planet right now in a in a very interesting season that we've never been in before. But uh, oddly enough, um, one of my favorite things to tell people I I realize this might not sound it might sound all uh, uh, far too optimistic, but we're really doing really good awesome. for the most part. Um, my soul is well. My wife and my children are are well, uh, we've barely lost any momentum. I, I had one client sort of back out for a while, which was, you know, is what it is. But, uh, but for the most part, um, life is on the increase for us. So contrary to what the news media might have you believe, um, mm. it's a, it's a, I'm glad I stuck around to see this. I'm glad I'm still here and I'm still operating uh, as part of the kingdom for it. Awesome. We need as much optimism as we can get. I was wondering also, how many years have you been married? You said uh, your wife and then two kids. How long have you been married and how old are your kids? 15 years and I have boys of nine and 11. Awesome. Awesome. 15 years. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I, I have a whole separate story I can tell on that at some mm -hmm. other point if you'd like to hear it. I'm I'm eager to uh, to demonstrate to men especially that God left us a blueprint mm -hmm. for how to acquire the perfect wife, and if we would just follow it instead of misreading it as a historical narrative, mm -hmm. um, we might actually get somewhere. But a, another story for another day. Yeah, perhaps. I'm hey, I'm I'm free. You can jump into it. That sounds meaty. Sounds helpful. Well, uh, the, the the short and the shallow, and I I don't want anyone to hear any sort of finger pointing or accusation or you did it wrong. This is mainly if you are still unattached. If you're married, you're married, and that's it. Right? Uh, divorce is not allowed. Murder is okay, but not divorce. So, <laughs> um, my wife and I have that running joke between us. Um, but uh, anyway. Um, God leaves this this blueprint. You know, I, 17, 18 years in a church setting, one church setting after another. And I, and, and and instead I learned from a, a wise old Jewish rabbi that the Torah is actually a, a blueprint of God's intended way for man to live. It's not just a historical narrative, though it does contain historical facts. And it's not the incessant babbling of bored Bedouins. Right. right. It, it's actual observations about the, what is truest about our experience. Mm. Um, so um, early on in the, in the earliest chapters, <clears throat> God says, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who will uh, make a companion who will help him. But he doesn't immediately shift to that. The next thing God does is he has Adam name all the animals. And the rabbinic tradition observes that this is a way for Adam to distinguish humanity from animals. Although we share some characteristics with them in our physical bodies, mm -hmm. we are by no means of them. There's a profound, vast, uh, immeasurable spiritual difference between us and them. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's not the subject. After Adam gets done with that, then God does go to work creating Eve, but he does this interesting thing. He puts Adam to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And and makes Eve while Adam's not paying attention, not even conscious of her, got his back turned and his eyes closed. And all Adam's, Adam's just off there, la, 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 dreamy dreamland, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, and, and if you, any of you ladies are listening, this is, and then the Lord God formed the woman, right? Mm -hmm. Formed as in, took his time and formed her. So she has her own process of maturing and growing up to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then he brings her to the man. This is what happened to me. I shut off my love life. Mm -hmm. I didn't go dating, wasn't looking for it, wasn't interested. People, you know, I even had some overtures of interest from certain members of the opposite sex, never took him up on it, never even thought, entertained the thought. Just said, nope, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. God will tell me when I'm ready. Now, I was 22 at the time. I joined the military. 
I go over and get stationed in Germany with the army. I start going to this church and it was a pretty fundamentalist kind of church. It was, you know, ladies only wear long skirts and we only play old time music and yada, yada, yada. But the point is, um, in this church was this beautiful young woman who I assumed was married to another soldier. And so I said, yep, not, not going anywhere near that. Hmm. And uh, I ignored her for the first several months I knew her. And then uh, one day I started getting these uh, kind of vague hints from the pastor himself, who eventually had to just stop being with the vague hints and say, look, you have an opportunity here. She likes you. <laughs> Sometimes you we just need out. a two by four, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's like we don't get the, the the gentle nudge. So we're like, hey, here's the two by four. This is what I'm trying to get your attention for. Well, because I'd already made the decision in my head. Sure. Right? I was like, yeah. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to clubs. I'm not asking for phone numbers. I'm not pulling, you know, sweet lines and moves. I'm not doing the whole hookup culture, which was then starting to really mm-hmm. catch fire. None of that. Mm-hmm. And um, boy, I could tell you the attributes and the um, the long lasting value and the the noble character of the woman I married till mm-hmm. we're blue in the face, but we'd run out of time. Suffice it to say, um, the heart of the heart of this woman's husband, Faith safely trusts her as it says in proverbs 31 and that's really hard to come by to to be quite honest with you yeah it's a rarity it is a rarity especially in the day and age of uh, just i mean throw away marriages and just you know throw it away get another one and you know the microwave culture has definitely made its way into our lives relationally mm-hmm. so you uh, you'd mentioned that you were in the army so and also uh, after doing some research, that I uh, found that you're a combat vet. So I just want to say thanks for that. Thanks for serving, and you know, my pleasure. Yeah, and uh, one vet to another. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate what what you did and uh, and how you served and all of that. It's pretty cool. Also, said that in your bio says that you lived in five different countries. What were they? That's an interesting little tidbit. Well, uh, quickly to <clears throat> return the gratitude also for your service. That's very, that's very important. Um, and, um, you know, that, that carries a lot more weight than I think we often realize as veterans, we tend to think oh, it's just something I did. No, it's not. It it's actually carries quite a bit more than that. Five different countries. I'm, I'm Canadian born. I was um, born in Alberta, Canada and mm-hmm. lived there the first eight years of my life. Um, we emigrated to the United, United States in 1988, and I lived there in Los Angeles, in various parts of the greater Los Angeles area, till 2001. Okay. And I had an opportunity, because my dad is British, I had an opportunity uh, to go and live in England because he could bequeath um, British citizenship to me, which he chose to do. And I had this British passport, and I said... A mentor of mine at the time said, you might as well use it because you've got it. And so I did. And um, I went and lived in England for nearly a year and a half. Um, and then I joined the military on the condition that they would station me in Europe. Hmm. And I knew nothing about the military. Otherwise, I probably would have joined the Air Force because they actually had encampments in England. Oh, wow. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but the Army didn't. And they said, well, we can send you to Germany. And I said, Oh, okay. Sounds good. Let's go to Germany. And um, I went to Germany. Of course, the reason they sent me to Germany was because they desperately needed personnel to fill units that were deploying to Iraq. And so that was the fifth country I went and lived in was Iraq Mm -hmm. itself. Um, And uh, that I did on two separate occasions for at least a year at a time. Wow. So There you go. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. I just thought it was interesting. Five different countries. You know, prior to recording, you pretty much pinpointed my accent, my dialect, and where you knew the region I was from. And you said "been" earlier instead of "been," and I was like, "Yes, I knew." And then once you said a, a connection with uh, with Canada, I was like, "You know what? Maybe I have some of the same the, the same abilities that you do." Because I picked that up really quickly. I was like, ah, "I don't know. It is close to Washington. Washington is where you are now, right?" Where I live, yes. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, I found that uh, <clears throat> particularly the Midwest and the North, 
uh, the, the, the tundra states like uh, Minnesota mm. and uh, Wisconsin, they, um, I have to listen closely. Sometimes I can confuse them with Canadians if I'm not careful. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I could definitely see that a little bit, especially a little bit farther north of me being from Illinois. Somebody was from Wisconsin or Minnesota and like they, they just have that certain little dialect. I'm not making If you're from there, I'm not making fun of you. It's just, it's just how I hear it. And yeah. so, but I don't know. I mean, wherever we live, we think that that dialect's normal and everybody else is weird. Right. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just yeah. kind of the way we are. Yep. So interesting stuff. Well, when I was kind of digging into your story, uh, I, I kind of found this part of your story that I thought was interesting. That would be a good segue before we get into entrepreneurship and, and all those types of things. But uh, so the, the four pillars of the work at new kind of man have to do with the relationships, spiritual growth, intellectual growth, and also re- relational, physical, spiritual, and intellectual. So I know that you've been on a fitness journey Mm -hmm. and I would just like for you to talk about that just a little bit, like what, you know, what you're doing, where you started and maybe why you're doing what you're doing. Well, you could say this stretches back to right around that same time when I met my wife, um, when I was 20 years old, I found, uh, found myself in a unique situation living with a mentor who was um, very observant and very critical of of my habits of I had a lot of habits of very poor choices of what I did with my life and how I treated myself and all that. And one of the things that he managed to talk me into, just because it was easier to to follow his advice than to listen to him constantly critique how I chose to behave, was to change my diet. And so. Between September of 2000 and October of 2001, when I left, because I lived with him, he was a quadriplegic multimillionaire. So I had to, he asked me to, the exchange was room and board in exchange for assisting him with physical tasks he couldn't perform himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that that happened to me was um, I lost about 60 pounds because I just, I got used to eating just once a day. And what I ate was, you know, enough to to keep me alive. And it wasn't like starvation diet, but it was, it wasn't far from it. I mean, especially in comparison to the way I had been eating. So I wasn't really, I, for some reason, I don't know why I didn't anticipate this or didn't see it coming, but I started turning female heads everywhere I went. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. I've never done that before. Um, so when I went to London, this is the fall of 2001, um, it was a unique time and I made a decision that I was going to start living a much more active lifestyle. I stopped smoking, um, just eight days after I got there, I quit cold Turkey after five and a half years of pack a day smoking. Wow. And, um, and I started going swimming. And then I started going to gyms and training and I started playing squash and racquetball and, you know, summertime I would go and play roller hockey and I just became a very physically active person one way or the other. Then I joined the army. Of course you you have to be physically active there. So I ran thousands of miles and did thousands of push-ups and sit-ups and you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually got into lifting weights um, because I was, I've, I've always been just pretty much like a, um, I call it ectomorph limbs with an endomorph abdomen. So <laughs> I just, I just put on weight in my stomach and my face and then my limbs just stay skinny. Yeah. And, uh, I, I started doing that for a while then, you know, got out of the army, eventually <clears throat> found my way into, into trying powerlifting, but I found I wasn't really built for that either. Right, I was too skinny. I didn't have. I couldn't accommodate the the tremendous amounts of weight like a guy with much thicker limbs can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched to bodybuilding, and you know, after a while of trying to figure it out on my own and still just mostly getting more belly fat, um, I said that that that's enough of this. I you know, it, it, I can't. I remember. I remember this. This is what triggered it. Is I I complained. In a, in a Facebook group to some friends of mine one day, I said, 
there has to be more to it than this. I can't just, it, it can't be just because my name is Paul Edwards that I can't lose belly fat and look lean and muscular. That's not a good enough reason because there's millions of people doing it, right? Well, maybe not millions, but at least thousands. <laughs> anyway, um, a few weeks later, I get this, this ad in my Facebook news feed. Are you tired of going to the gym four to six nights a week and not making any progress? And I said, hell yes, I am. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and um, it, was a, it, was, it was an ad from Vince Del Monte, who became my, first my fitness coach and a mentor. And then I joined his business mastermind. Hmm. Um, as I moved out of my job, <clears throat> I had been selling insurance for about six years at that point, not really getting anywhere with it. So I... Um, I transitioned into entrepreneurship and I joined Vince's mastermind. And um, that's pretty much fast forward right to 2018. That's where this whole entrepreneurial journey picked up for me. Interesting. So all that's woven together. I think that's great. Of just, uh, you said Vince and what was his last name? Del Monte. Del Monte. Yeah, it's just really interesting how all of that tied together and then it became really or it was the thing that shaped you into what you're doing and who you are now. Cause now you're strong in the entrepreneur space. You're, you know, you're trying to help people with networking skills and now you've written books about it. The, uh, the first book, I think it was the first book that I, that you wrote was the 10 secrets to networking success. Mm -hmm. And, uh, was a lot of that just kind of things you learned along the line from Vince and from others, or was this from your experience in selling insurance? Uh, both, but I should, I should back up the story here. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't do Vince enough credit there. And if he hears this, he might sue. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I started doing Vince's program and I lost 15 percentage points of body fat. I went from 26% body fat to 11 Wow. Um, just by, just by following his nutrition protocol, I was doing his workout training as well. Um, but that was what got me into the shape I'm in now where now I've competed in a couple of bodybuilding shows as a physique competitor and, you know, had people reach out to me and ask me, how do you do it? And all that kind of stuff. And this is, this is purely a hobby for me. I'm never going to do it as a business. So, sure. um, anyway, um, but uh, the insurance business taught me a very good foundational set of networking skills, which is where that first book comes from, which um, <laughs> now that I'm working on releasing my third this summer, I'm, I'm kind of, you kind of look back at your first work and you're like, I hope nobody ever finds that. And here we are, you found <laughs> yeah. it and now we're talking about it. <clears throat> um, but you know, I, I have to be kind to myself at the time. That's yeah. what I knew. And that's yeah. how, that's what I had the budget to put together. Mm -hmm. And uh, among my network here in Olympia, Washington, um, sold quite well. Mm -hmm. And I attracted a, a bunch of people to a, a launch where I, you know, made an offer of a continued, uh, coaching opportunity. And I mm -hmm. thought, you know, maybe that's how I'll do it. But at the same time, I was in Vince's mastermind. I wanted to take it <clears throat> to a much larger level and attract a much larger audience and build a mailing list and, you know, start to sell products online and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. And that didn't go the way I thought it would. Um, it went well, but it didn't go the way I thought it would. And, um, Anyway, so so I continued to use the skill, that foundational skill level that I had going into Vince's Mastermind. But what I quickly figured out while I was in it was that um, I had a lot of growing and improving that I could do hmm. and figuring out ways to begin to make myself into that, um, that high-level connector, mm -hmm. right? That, that person who knows person A and person B, but person A and person B are not just two people on the street. These are people, you know, leading organizations or very high up on the influence chain, people you see on national television, you know, international best-selling authors and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And I, I knew how to get, I knew enough to, to, to be able to get a lot of them to at least appear on my show, which gives me an opportunity to be in front of them, which right. gives me an opportunity <clears throat> not only to connect them with other people I know, but also to to, to get a few minutes to talk about 
what I'm up to as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's great. Actually, that was a really good segue because one of the the secrets that you talk about is how to make yourself as frequent and visible as a as a TV or T or a radio or TV commercial. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can just draw to mind, but I was wondering, you kind of spoke into that a little bit of just kind of making yourself known in that way. What are some things that, you know, I have a lot of people who are going to listen to this, they're small business owners, they're podcasters, um, kind of run the gambit there. And they're always looking for, okay, what's the edge? How can I make my brand noticed? How can I make myself to be noticed? Not in a, in a prideful, you know, self-inflating type of way, but, you know, they're it's a business plan. They're trying to market. They're trying to make themselves shine, you know, amongst their, whatever their particular field is. So could you speak into just a little bit? Yeah, there's really, in my opinion, there's, there's two ways to do this. And, um, one, the one way is for 0.01% of the population. So if you are that loud, charismatic, over the top, engaging, energizing personality, right? Um, and we see these people all over the internet. You just got to look for them, yeah. right? They're there. Um, that, that highly influential, larger than life personality mm-hmm. who, who can literally start up a conversation and make a sale two minutes later. Right. Um, then by all means do it. <laughs> right. I, I, if that's your, if that's your, 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 royal jelly, then by all means, exploit it. If, if God gave you that gift, do it. Charisma, right? I mean, if, if it, yeah, is well, that what you mean by, by No, that? because I think the rest of us can have charisma too. Uh, that, okay. is when you, that is when you have a ridiculous surplus abundance of it. Okay. Right? Uh, and, and to give you a simple illustration of this, <clears throat> um, I've had John Corcoran on my show twice, and he mm-hmm. is former Clinton White House speechwriter. And the way he described it was that Bill Clinton could walk into one large room full of people after another and draw all of the attention on him and Mm -hmm. make them all feel like they were interacting with him personally. And he could do that for one day, one room after another, after Mm -hmm. another, you know, eight rooms in a row and never get tired of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I might, I might last 15 minutes in one room. Right. Cause I am a fair, I, I'm what I consider a fairly extroverted person, but I'm not like that. Right. right. So that's all I'm saying is if you are the type of person who, you know, could just go for days on end, you know, gum flapping and exchanging with people and they just, they just automatically want to buy from you. Great. I'm not knocking that. I don't think it's fake, but 99.9% of us aren't in that yeah. category. That's the 0.1%, right? So that guy, he's that that guy or gal, they're on their own, they're going to they're going to find it. But what about the rest of us? So for the rest of us, um <clears throat> there's a a a much it's it's a much more subtle approach. Okay. And the way I found that this began to work for me was um I'm in a you know, a sizable mid-sized town, I guess you would say. That's how I would characterize Olympia. It's not as big mm-hmm. as Seattle, um, but, and it, but, it's, but there's, there's plenty of business to be had here. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, you know, I'm going to these business networking groups. I'm going anywhere there's business owners. Um, and what I found was <clears throat> um, I could stay in front of them much longer than the average person. Mm. By virtue of the fact that I could connect with them over social media, but I also knew what to say when I got on social media that made it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, the first mastermind I was in, the insurance, the, it was called the Agency Alliance Mastermind. I had a mentor there named Jonathan Garrick, and Jonathan said to me something very interesting. He said, when you, uh, when you get on Facebook, don't talk about insurance. Whatever you do, don't talk about insurance. Hmm. And I said, well, what am I supposed to talk about? And he said, well, listen, they, they already know what you do. It's listed on your profile. They can read that. What they don't know is what kind of person you are. They don't know much about your family, maybe. They don't know um, what's your sense of humor like. They don't know um, what you care about. You know, 
they don't know your likes and dislikes. They, you know, share that with them, share your successes, share your adventures, share where you go and what you get up to. Right. <clears throat> well, as soon as I started doing that, I, I started having this huge, huge, I don't, I shouldn't say huge, but huge for this local business community following. Sure. And, um, it, it became so predictable and so routine. I was, I was so consistent and so relentless with it that when I began to phase it out, people began to say, how come I don't see you in the newsfeed anymore? <laughs> you know, they were so used to it. They were so used mm -hmm. to hearing me run or seeing me run my mouth on social media, mm -hmm. sometimes through video, a lot of times through text or something else, um, that I became ubiquitous to them. And, and and they began to think that I was a part of associations and networking groups and, uh, you know, certain certain circles. And I wasn't part of them, but they thought I was. Hmm. And I wasn't going to go out there and, and try to stop that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I see how that could be that could be beneficial, them seeing you. And and of course, the message has to be clear it has to be consistent you know you can't have a sporadic approach it's you're going to be i mean in essence i guess paul what you're talking about is just in essence being yourself and the hope is if you're not a jerk then you're probably going to do okay if you're a jerk they're going to find you out and you probably need to go do something else other than sales or marketing right <laughs> because typically yep. i mean just because you're going to kind of work against yourself and like in some self-defeating way but even in what you're saying it sounds like if you're just authentic like that authenticity is is attractional and then once you you were just yourself over and over and over it's like you were just a part of just a part of their life just because they had seen you is that what is that kind of what you were getting at mm -hmm. yep yep that's 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 what it is and and the the practical results of this of course is that you you create what i call your own unpaid sales force mm. um <clears throat> In business, if you know that the language of business is exchanging value, and then you execute on that, um, sooner or later you're going to have your own small tribe of raving fans, yeah. who will will tell anyone that they speak to. If you need this, if you need insurance, in my case, go see Paul Edwards, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would get people reaching out to me, quite out of the blue, saying, "I've heard you're really good with." Uh, social media and um you know branding yourself on on social media and that kind of thing and i'd like to come and pick your brain for a while and it, and it didn't dawn on me at the time to ask who told you that <laughs> yeah but in a way i didn't really need to because i'm like i i think i would have a pretty good idea if it's it's one of these you know 25 30 people that i've where i've really created rapport really given value without any expectation of return and they've you know, they've, they've, they've reciprocated. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm trying to frame up a question just based off of what you just said. So if I rattle for just a moment, hopefully we'll get to the, it'll come to the surface. But what I was thinking is it would it be more beneficial to have a hundred deep relationships of which you can count on or a hundred thousand shallow ones that might be effective and might not um, for, for marketing purposes is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think if you're Kim Kardashian, the latter is obviously very, works fine. But most of us aren't Kim Kardashian, right? right? Thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what I was so thinking. It, I'm glad you said it. Well, the, the, the CEO of Airbnb is, the, is, is exactly the case for the former there. He said mm -hmm. you only need 100, you only really need 100 strong uh, raving fans. And, mm -hmm. and that, will, that will take you further than you might think. It's worked out pretty well for him in his business. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, turned, uh, turned that whole industry upside down. So what about this? I know this is difficult to entrepreneur, anything in this, in this space, marketing, it's hard to be told no. Mm -hmm. it, it just is. I mean, if you, if you believe in it and, and if it's your own work and you're marketing, you know, a product or, or yourself or whatever it is you believe in, I mean, with a new kind of man, be honest with you, I've had a lot of no's. I'd ask people to be on the show or just interaction and it would go and then it would dead end. And sometimes those are kind of crushing. So 
how can we make it difficult for these people in our network to say no? How can we make it hard for them? Well, uh, I've got a brief story I can tell you on this because I've used this a couple times. <clears throat> um, but let me just start by saying go with a giving hand. Hmm. Um, and if you don't know what to give someone, um, there are a few things that are, I have a couple of lists in my book, which are useful, particularly if you're dealing with somebody who's kind of high profile. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, uh, if you're dealing with another business owner uh, or an entrepreneur or anybody who's in, you know, in the business of sales and marketing, mm -hmm. I find the best thing you can always give them is one more little advantage than they currently have, mm. whatever, whatever that may be. Um, so all of that to say, I, 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 I am reluctant to show up asking for something that isn't an automatic win for the other person. Mm. So when I invite people to be on the podcast, um, most of the people who end up on this show are recommended to me by other people who've already appeared on it or who know me. Mm -hmm. Um, comparatively few just pop up out of the blue and even fewer of those actually get past my radar. Cause I'm simply just like everybody else. I'm like, I've got plenty of people who want to be on my show. Right. Why you, why should I respond just because you sent me an email? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one part of it. The other part of it, obviously Chad is, um, when you show up, you, I, I believe in building a case, right? Just like you would build a case for anything else. Mm -hmm. um, just try proposing marriage to the first girl you meet on the street, if you don't believe me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to build a case, right? right. So, um, so here's the story, right? And, and somebody both you and I deeply admire, John Eldridge. Mm -hmm. John Eldridge is the founder of Ransomed Heart Ministries. He is an extraordinarily busy human being. Mm -hmm. He has imminent demands on his time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Somebody wants something, yeah. even if it's people like his family where he should be giving them something, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have time to comb through 10,000 emails that drop into his inbox every second. I know that. Mm. He, he talks about it on the podcast if you listen, but, but you don't have to listen to know that. If, you, if, you, if you're changing that many lives, you don't mm. have to know he doesn't read every email. In fact, he probably doesn't read 99% of them. Right. He probably has somebody filtering through it to figure out what needs to go to him and the rest just gets you know, kept mm. in a safe storage somewhere. Mm. I'm not saying that's the case, but I, that would be my imagination. Right. Um. I went, I, I have read every book he's written. I'm a Ransomed Heart tribe member. I listen to every podcast they put out. I, I, I repeatedly deep dive into all their content. I'm a huge fan. I love mm -hmm. it. And, and you would think, well, that sounds like a good reason. No, actually, it's not a good reason for him to just drop everything and come on my show. Um, but, I, but, I, but I said, I could build a case for this. Um. Mm -hmm. So after, after I went to Wild at Heart Bootcamp, this was 2017, at the end of the year, um, 2018, that's when I started doing my podcast again. Mm -hmm. And I had met Morgan Snyder, who's one of his right-hand men there at Ransomed Heart, and, mm -hmm. um, while I was at bootcamp. And I, so I, I said, I wonder if he'd be open to an interview. And so I just sent him an email. I could figure out his email address. And I said, look, Morgan, you probably don't remember meeting me at boot camp. I was there in August of 2017. I'm starting up a podcast. I really like this topic that you discussed recently and wondered if you'd be willing to come and discuss it with my entrepreneurial audience. And it worked. Morgan wrote back and said, yeah, actually I would. I, I don't get to, the chance to be on that many <clears throat> um, podcasts that aren't specifically aimed at the kingdom. So." Um, you know, that sounds great. So he came and, and, and appeared. It was October of 2018. And I was like, okay, that's one notch, right? Mm -hmm. In 2019, I emailed 
Morgan's assistant and, and I said, what about Alan Arnold, who also appears on John's podcast? Would you, do you think he'd be open to an interview? And Alan, you know, he's their director of content, but he also has, he's also an author. He's also, you know, coaches people on how to write stories and fiction and all that. Mm -hmm. And so Alan came on my show. And of course, I'm not just doing it with these guys. I'm also, you know, Rabbi Daniel Lappin comes on my show and Aaron Walker comes on my show and, you know, notable names in the kingdom are on my show. So when the time came and I asked, you know, what would be the, is John coming out with any books in the future? And they mm -hmm. said, oh yeah, he's got this new one coming out called Get Your Life Back. And it's due out in February. I said, okay, a little notch on my calendar for, for January, right? And I'm able to send in a document and say, this is an opportunity for John to appear on the show. And here's why he might want to do it. Number one, two of his best buddies have already done it. Plus two or three mm -hmm. other big names in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Plus it's a ransomed heart bootcamp alumnus who's read every book he's ever written and can speak fluently to the, to the content mm -hmm. and has his own testimonial, right? Yep. And, um, and plus all he's got, you know, we, we make it simple. I know the bio, you don't just, you, I've got the headshot. You don't even have to send anything. All you got to do is reply yes or no. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is to his publicist, not to him. Mm -hmm. And I got a yes. Mm -hmm. So I built a case, right? I go with a giving hand and I build a case. And, and, and I make, if you want to make it difficult for people to say no, you've just got to, you got, you got to go a thousand miles deep with them. Hmm. Um, there's a third part of this, which I think is equally important. And that is that you remain, that, you, that, that no is always an option. Hmm. You can't be afraid of no. It's just that most people want to get to yes far too quickly, right? Hmm. There's always a chance that something will come up and that this just isn't a fit for me. Okay. Yeah, of course. It doesn't make sense. So let's not do it. But what I tell people is <clears throat> try to find out the reasons you shouldn't do business first. Hmm. Because if you can discuss them and overcome them and eliminate them, that leaves only one possible answer, and that's yes. Right. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and it's considerate too, because you know, I can just tell you podcasting, just as you know, you know, to get podcast guests. It's not everybody's as gracious as you were, you know, where they say, yeah, let's do it. Let's set it up. Let's, let's put it on the calendar. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to help men. Not everybody's like that. And so this was a little bit easier, but yet there, sometimes it takes that, that, that continual work and to the latter approach, I guess, if you want to use that to say, okay, it's going with an open hand. It's, it's going back petitioning time and time and time again. But I mean, you know, for you to get John Eldridge on your show, I mean, it's a great example because there's a lot of work there. You could have just said, you know, directly write to John. Okay. And just kind of gone in just kind of haphazardly. Hey, here's an opportunity. It's my podcast. This is, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it's about you. Yeah. So you see, every part of that example is is true to your message of saying, you know, it's an open hand, John. This is a great opportunity. You know, it's you have access to to my audience, and also, hey, it just so happens that you have a new book coming out, and we would love to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a valuable thing, and I I also think that sometimes just in the fast paced way that that I live, and perhaps some of the listeners live. It's like they, they want that quick yes, just so they don't have to work at it. And it's like, oh, I got a yes, moving on, going to the next thing. Like, yes, thank you, I'm moving on. And if they get that no, maybe they just stop there. And maybe that no is actually not a solid no. Maybe it's just, hey, I need you to open the door. The door's not open, but I need you to open the door. So maybe that no is, again, something that we have to come to terms with, like you just mentioned, Paul, of, Hey, that is a, a possible answer. So let's try and let's try and think about why would this particular person say no? Why would they yeah. not want to have us on the show? Why would they not want our service? Mm -hmm. And then eliminate those excuses. And yeah, it, it's it's one of the reasons the word tells us um, in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. Yes. 
this is getting getting a no the first time to a self-interested question is a childish way of thinking. Exactly. It's, it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. No. <laughs> right? Right. Well, okay, fine. But the, but we're men now, right? Mm-hmm. That time is over. <laughs> that yes. was fine when you were eight. Yes. Right? Now you're an adult man. You've got a wife, children, or responsibilities. Yeah. You own a business. The world doesn't work that simple. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Scripture's, scripture is abundantly clear on that, but it's amazing. And I'm not criticizing here. I had my own version of, and still, and still have my own version of taking another lap through kindergarten on the ascending spiral and saying, right. oh boy, I'm back to being 13-year-old me here again. Right. Um, but but uh, so I'm not scolding, just real quick, I'm not mm-hmm. scolding people. Don't hear that in my voice. But mm-hmm. do understand, if, if, you're, if you're a man then boyhood has got to be left behind. Then act like a man. Yeah. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. That's right. That's right. You know, then the thing is, it's like there are those childlike, you know, characteristics or tendencies that come back, right? Especially where do they, where do they usually render themselves out? It's like guys can go and they can go into the gym and they like, they feel awesome. They look in the mirror and it's like, wow, I'm getting gains. I'm lifting more weight. I'm doing whatever. I'm, whatever the goal is if you're a runner maybe you're obviously you're not going to be jacked with muscles but you're going to lean you're going to become more lean you look at the stopwatch it's like hey this is a faster mile you see all that intellectually we may say you know i've just consumed this many books and i've done this and i've done this and spiritually you can even say hey i've done this or and i'm not saying that these are always the, the best approach but people could say well spiritually i'm doing fine because i'm generous and i'm giving and i serve to my local church and and I, I try and do what I can around the house, but yet relationships are, they tend to be the Achilles heel of men. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's <laughs> men, what I've seen in my experience in working with men for the last 18 years is they can go from, hey, I'm a man and now this is whatever the case may be. Maybe they get a no from their wife. Maybe, you know, they get a no from their kids. They get a no from a friend or some something they just don't like. And it's like automatically they go back to being a child relationally. So it yeah. seems like that area is the one that we really, really struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, we don't know how to solve the problem. Number one. Mm-hmm. And also I found this with my sons, even if someone tries to teach us how to solve the problem, our pride blinds yeah. us. Right. Right. And that was what plagued me for so many years. As a matter of fact, it's only in the last about year and a half or so that I have really begun to take a hatchet to my pride. Mm. And most because most people think pride means being a, a pompous, braggadocious blowhard. No, it doesn't. No, you can be a very modest, quiet, soft spoken, prideful bastard. Right. Right. You can be a very stubborn, I'm gonna do it my way, but you're very smooth and clean on the outside mm-hmm. wouldn't harm a fly i'm just doing it my way right um no son that's not the case you have a father <laughs> mm-hmm. who loves you um but frankly knows way more than you do mm-hmm. about what's good for you and what's not mm-hmm. yeah that and that i think is the it's in those air in those other three areas and they happen to be the pillars of the work. I think we get a lot more accolades in those. If you do well at work, right, you get a raise or you get to work more and maybe you don't get a raise, but you get to work more. If you do well at the gym, you put on more weight on the bar. If you do better in running, then you trim those numbers down, whatever the case may be. Intellectually, it's the same thing. You can gain all sort of intellectual properties and learn and grow. But yet when it comes to relationships, we try and hide in all those other strengths Mm-hmm. Which, which then infuses more pride as a way of compensating for the thing that we lack, which is in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because um, <clears throat> we're not taught, nor do we instinctively grasp, as, as ladies tend to have a better handle on doing, mm-hmm. um, a, uh, I don't want to to mischaracterize this and, and have a bunch of guys think, well, all I got to do is act more like a woman. I'm not talking about that. We can have our own version of this. Absolutely. That's right? still masculine and still projects yep. confidence and strength and all of the God given abilities that we have. Yeah. 
but nonetheless, they have a more communal way of understanding the world. Mm -hmm. They they really do much more embrace the idea that we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why historically, traditionally, women have been the connectors of the family, mm -hmm. right? And the, the connectors in the neighborhoods, the social coordinators of the of the thing. And the men just don't, just don't do a whole lot of that. Mm -hmm. But um, to to sort of piggyback off of what you're saying there, um, we're deficient that way, but we don't need to be. And, um, and, and, and the other thing that we're not taught and, and which frankly isn't emphasized for us is that um, relationships are an opportunity for service yes. that brings pleasure to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Um, they are an opportunity for you to use all of that drive and energy and stamina and uh, talent and aptitude you have to bless another person. Because what, what causes in the spiritual, what causes success and reciprocity and blessing and all of that to flow to you is an attitude of service. Yes as opposed to an attitude of entitlement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a common thread too, even when we talked about the marketing piece, because being open-handed in, you know, if you're trying to connect with someone and through networking, uh, it's going into it open-handed. And it's the same thing in relationships. I'm really glad mm -hmm. you said that, Paul, because at the end of the day, I, I can tell you that in the 26 years that I've been married, the ones that have been the most fruitful is one that I had a heart to serve her well. Mm -hmm. and to serve my kids well. And I can tell you whenever I've been passive or whenever I've ignored that or whenever I've been apathetic or just pathetic, I, I can tell you that the marriage wasn't flourishing like it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And so and it's very much that open-handed way of living that I think is it makes the world a better place. It glorifies God, but it makes just the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Yep. So as we... Uh, as we kind of wind the, the conversation down, we didn't even really get into the second book. Maybe that'll be another podcast that we need to do. But we've been talking about relational capital. And what, what types of things would you say to a man so they can help gain some relational capital with people around them, but maybe an audience even beyond them? So thinking of at home in their sphere so they can gain more relational capital, types of things that men can do to connect where they are at home but then also for those who are the entrepreneurs or those who are wanting to network? Well, um, in, my, in my most recent book called Business Beyond Business, um, I have a chapter there called How to Network with Dream Connections. And the main thrust of it is what do you do when you get in front of a celebrity or an influencer or a very recognizable public figure? Mm. But the fifth um, I, I lay out about five different components of it. And the fifth one is called focus on the farm team. And I, I, I don't want people to start thinking of their wives and children as the farm team. However, I do want them to borrow from the principle and say, if I do for my wife and children, the kind of things that I would do to get the attention of a celebrity influencer, mm -hmm. public figure, with for business reasons, whether that's to do business with them directly or to be or to have uh, an alliance with them that that benefits me strategically in other ways. Mm -hmm. What could what could be the practical outcomes of that? Right. And of course, we all know the answer. It's it's going to get better. Because mm -hmm. if you if you approach that from a sincere attitude of I'm, I'm here to serve. Right. Um, I, I like to, I use this every morning when I wake up. One of the first things that comes out of my mouth is thank you, Father, for the privilege of serving you by serving your other children. Hmm. Whether I get paid for it or not, I know I'll get paid. I know, you'll, I, I, know I can trust you with my financial future. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to focus on serving as best I can. Hmm. Um, but if you start to do some of the things like that, you know, you're going to have to find... <clears throat> depending on who you're doing it for, you're going to have to find tailored versions of it that work for that person. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's really about paying attention to what motivates people and what gets them excited and what could by, by the same extension, what 
upsets them and turns them into, you know, spitting cobras and that kind of thing. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're, if your wife has more of a love language of acts of service, then go do chores around the house. By all means, if, do it, right? But it, but if she doesn't give a rip about that, she's quite happy to do all the housework, but she wants you to sit there and listen to her, you know, talk about her day for 30 minutes straight, then sit there and shut up and listen. Yeah. It's not that hard. Um, and, and of course, it, it, it doesn't mean that you sit there and just sort of check out. It means that you're sitting there listening and you're making mm -hmm. eye contact and you're asking questions and you're mm -hmm. trying to get her to keep talking. Active listening, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, simple principles, but not so simplistic mm. tactics. They vary, and you can't do with one what you've done with another. Mm. Um, so it's not, it's not you have a hammer and the whole world's a nail. Mm. Well, I love that. And I want to finish our conversation with something we didn't get to, but I think that it really just adds – it adds value. And that's actually three, three big questions that you talk about in business beyond business in that book. And within it is the five tips for networking. And you say, ask three big questions. And, and not only is it beneficial for networking, but also I think of just maybe for the guy who's, who's just looking for the bump to say, well, how can I actually connect communications hard for them? They're having a difficult time in relating to their wife or their kids or maybe to a friend or their parents or their neighbor. And I love these three big questions because these become questions you can ask at any time in any given day, because as the events of our days unfold, they are different. There's little nuances of difference in our days. So these three big questions, man, I'll just leave you with this. And these are Paul's big questions. So these, I can't take any credit. So just a way to kind of bump the conversation forward. Uh, first question is this, what is going well for you? What is going well for you? Second question, what's not going well for you? Third question, what are you looking forward to? Mm -hmm. all, of a sudden, all of a sudden in a networking sense, it's like, okay, you're not talking about the weather. You're not talking about insurance, right? <laughs> you're not talking about that. You're not talking about what everybody else is talking about, you've already gotten to like just a slightly introductory, but still a slightly deeper level to say, Hey, what are you interested in? What's going well for you? What's not going well? And then you can go a myriad of different directions. And if men, you would actually do that with the people in your direct relational circle, watch, watch your relationships flourish because yeah, it isn't about just try you. it out. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and here's the thing, and this may be weird, but even find somebody who you can trust, who's not going to judge you and who's not going to, maybe the, you're going to have some good rowdy fun, but maybe they'll rib you, but yet the value, the, the practice, maybe to go to somebody you do know and ask them questions and have them pitch you answers, different answers, just so you're not on your heels trying to have these, you know, trying to have uh, conversation starters and to continue the conversation, whatever the case may be, find a trusted voice. Uh, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your girlfriend, maybe it's just a close friend do it over a beer, do it while you're watching a game, you know, do something like that whenever all this stuff is cleared up. But I think these three big questions help us not only when it comes to relationships at home, but also in the sphere of networking and business. So any last words with that, Paul? I'll just say uh, purely for the sake of humor that um, those, I didn't come up with those questions either. I stole them from Vince Del Monte. So <laughs> <laughs> He, he already promised me he wouldn't sue. Awesome. Awesome. So there you go. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was like, man, you're, you're, you're cleaning house here to make sure you're not going to get sued. So that's good. I, uh, I like to say I didn't design this universe. I just live in it. Yep. True. And so what's, what, what people often pass off as um, original really isn't original. Yeah. There's they nothing also new stole under the sun. They also stole it from somebody else. That's and, exactly uh, right. We're, we're all biting off of our creator um, yeah. who's happy to feed us. So yeah. there you go. Let him carry on. There you go. So, so you men out there on Instagram, you, you found a quote, but you took the credit when you know it was something you read in somebody else's book. You're found out just so you know, just yeah, we, own it. We got a, we got a camera trained on you and everything. Exactly. We know I, what's uh, up. The, the other thing that occurs to me, Chad, as I should mention, um, 
you know, like I said, I'm here to serve, but anybody who would like to get a free digital copy of Business Beyond Business, as well as a couple of tools that I've acquired that I pass out. I also stole those from Aaron Walker. Uh, <laughs> but there's a um, there's a spouse assessment where wow. your spouse assesses you. There's a, uh, a personal assessment you mm. fill out. And then there's a goals and dreams worksheet. And those three are all available along with a copy of the book. You just go to my, uh, we've got a special URL that I sent you. So it's thepaulsedwards.com forward slash new 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 kind of man mm -hmm. yeah new kind of man okay so the paul the paul s as in simon edwards.com mm -hmm. forward slash new kind of man awesome yep i'll put that in the show notes and they'll be able to get linked right into it paul this has been great uh, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and maybe we need to do this again up the road and i can give your the, the latest book and then even maybe the third book, we can give that another run and see if we can help some men. I'd be delighted to Chad. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the new kind of man podcast. You've been given some good manly encouragement and now it's your turn. If you found today's content helpful, go tell a friend, and please leave us a review. Also consider hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now it's time for all of us to do what Theodore Roosevelt said. Create, act, get action, do things, be sane, don't fritter away your time. Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action.